linguistic skill hat to <laughs> explain what I'm talking about. The pictures are good. Yeah. Welcome to my summer lair, Space Station Oddity. I'm your host, Sammy Yunan, and today I'm joined by a special guest. That's right, I said special guest. Uh, so go ahead and introduce yourself to the nice people at home. Thank you very much, Sammy. Hi, everyone. My name is Henry Vanderspeck. I'm a Toronto photographer. I do art and documentary photography, and uh, happy to be here. So I know photography is one of your passions, and we're both, both of us are super excited to uh, discuss Contact Photography Festival, which is running right now through uh, May uh, across like many different venues across Toronto. But we have to acknowledge one of your other passions for just a couple of minutes before we get to the dope photography. Let's have a little tangent for now. Uh, All right. So uh, Bono, the lead singer of U2, recently celebrated a birthday on May 10. Uh, so he was born in 1960, which means he's now 62 years old, which is slightly... Uh, I guess senior citizen-y, kind of early bird specialty kind of age. <laughs> so obviously none of the members of you two are any younger, except for maybe Larry. So my question is, uh, do you think we're getting another tour? What's the over and under of getting another U2 tour? Maybe another two tours, three tours? What are you thinking? Well, I, there's at least one more because they, they gave a timeline like uh, maybe six months to a year ago that like they're going to, Maybe it was putting something out in 2023 and touring in 2024. I hope it wasn't plus one year later on that timeline, but I think it was next year, an album and the following year, a tour. It was still too far away for me, but uh, at least it was something, some kind of a bone to, to non for this uh, <laughs> YouTube fa fan. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's something. So hopefully. All yeah. right. That's obviously one of your passions. We're going to switch now to your other passion, which is photography. And as I said, the Contact Photography Festival uh, is running across Toronto right now through the month of May. On the website, it says this is the 26th edition of the uh, Photography Festival. And there are over 140 exhibitions and outdoor installations uh, by Canadian photographers, international artists, a whole bunch of people. The key word for me is outdoor as well, because this isn't like going to a classy gallery where you eat those like uh, square blocks of cheese. Like, these are photo exhibitions happening all around us, which kind of really brings new meaning to the word street photography. Yes. Yes, it's um, it's really cool. They use billboards, uh, walls, you know, a lot of public spaces. Um, some, some exhibits, uh, especially last year, would use uh, kind of external display cases so that people could at any hour come by and see the artwork. So uh, it's really great that way. You know, any kind of, you know, not just coffee shops and art galleries, but beyond that, too, people are finding creative ways to get photo art out there. And it's uh, it's great. Yeah. Twenty six years, too. It's a good, good run. They're carrying on with. Mm -hmm. I'm glad to be part of it, too. Yeah, we're going to get to that in a second. I remember the um, uh, this is obviously pre pandemic, but David Byrne did a whole bunch of bus shelters. You know how they have like uh, the little posters in bus shelters, and it's usually like an ad for insurance or something like this. But it was kind of taken over by David Byrne, and that was kind of cool because, again, like that's going where the people are. Like you're just waiting for the streetcar or for the bus or whatever it is, and you get a little bit of art in your day, which is kind of a nice little injection. Yes, I appreciate that for sure. And when I start sharing about some of the exhibits, I'm going to mention one or even two that are in uh, Nathan Phillips Square that kind of play with that. You know, go to the people. Mm -hmm. Don't make, don't make the people go to go to you, kind of thing. So yeah. 
And speaking of the people and speaking of photography, we got to talk about your exhibition. So this is full disclosure. You have an exhibition uh, at Contact. So give us a breakdown of what it is. This is pretty interesting. Put people on put people on notice of what your on notice is. <laughs> there you go. Well done. Well done. So yes, my exhibit is on notice. And uh, if you've ever been put on notice, you'll know the pain. <laughs> uh, you know, one more strike and you're fired. <laughs> yes. uh, one more there. strike. One more strike and this relationship is over. <laughs> um, uh, sorry to touch on some raw nerves, but uh, there's raw, raw nerves. nerves. Yes, and there's raw nerves in this city because of the construction and uh, redevelopment that's happening everywhere. I feel that. I know other people do too. And that's kind of where my exhibit taps into because you see the notice of development signs all around the city, especially downtown core. Uh, and uh, it occurred to me four or five years ago, you know, because I do like a weekly photo walk at least once, once a week as an artistic discipline. And anything that's interesting visually can become a theme. And at some point, I, I realized these signs are everywhere. I'm just going to start, you know, documenting them as one element of many things that I might take photos of as I go out for my walks. So now it's about five years since I started doing that, incidentally, along the other things that I document. And uh, I was given the opportunity to um, have a few of the images in a short film that touches on these signs. And how well or how not well they engage people. So, um, and that's called uh, Excluded by Design, a short documentary film. Mm -hmm. And uh, it has a, a civic activist named Dave Meslin. If you look him up, you'll see he's done TED Talks. He's, he's written book, at least one book. And he's done a lot of good in this city for public space usage. So three of my images were used in that short. And then the person who created it said, why don't you do an exhibit of these images? Because I know you have a lot of them. And we'll do a screening. And, uh, and have like a panel discussion too uh, as part of the exhibit. So that's where we're at now. So two weeks away come tomorrow is the opening and, uh, and I'm going to be showing these images. And yeah. To give you a sense of what you're talking about, I actually just saw this week in uh, Block TO about the condo sales. They had an article and a profile on the condo sales and it said the first three months of 2022 marked the hottest first quarter on record with uh, almost 9,000 units sold, which is a big jump of 55% since qu first quarter of last year. So wow. this is kind of what you're talking about, right? You know, uh, it sets up an interesting that tension with your unnoticed exhibition, right? Because they keep building these condos because they obviously keep selling. I'm not sure if this is international people or if this is Airbnb people or like, but somebody's buying these things, right? So it's kind of like those, uh, like the Marvel movies, right? Like, People keep going to them, so they keep making a lot of money, and so they keep <laughs> making them, and that's great, and it's fun, and we enjoy those movies, but you eventually need to make some, like, indies, <laughs> you need to make a couple of documentaries, you need some alternatives, mm. right? Mm. And this is kind yes. of, too, the same thing of, like, what the unnoticed, the reason that a lot of people have these kind of visceral reactions to these unnoticed signs is because we don't really have a lot of alternatives, right? Like, we need something better for housing sometimes. Yeah, for sure. That's definitely... You know, what you're saying is exactly what I've seen and captured in, in a number of my images. You know, people scrawling messages on those signs, you know, like affordable housing now, uh, you know, luxury slums, um, ugly condos for ugly people. These are just some of the messages I've seen. And, and some of those will be in the images in my exhibit. So, yeah, there's definitely um, uh, 
some tension and anxiety about the state of our city and, and how people are going to keep living. You know, uh, development has to happen, but what kind of development are we getting? You know, and that's the signs are meant to get conversations going and get feedback from citizens. Uh, and so, you know, even that <laughs> writing on those signs could be seen as an element of that. You know, they may not show up to the uh, to the public meeting or log in now because most of them are online. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but they're expressing something of what, you know, they feel those messages. So, yeah, our city is going through massive change. You know, a friend of mine who writes for a business business publication, you know, did an article on the number of cranes in our city. You know, I think like Toronto is one of the has one of the most the greatest number of cranes uh overhanging the city over uh, compared to almost any city in North America. Yeah. One of the highest. So like all of that, like, yeah, there's massive change happening here and we want it to be, you know, if you care about your city and the people in it, you want it to be, um, you know, for everyone, not just for those who have big pockets or parents who can help with that massive down payment to get in, in yeah. the market. I was, yeah. com- I was complaining to you just, uh, when was it last week, the week before I, I had to go to the TIFF light box and I hadn't been there since really the pandemic started, so it'd been a couple of years. And there was now a bunch of buildings, or soon-to-be buildings, that they had started working on in that area around Adelaide, John Street, that kind of area. And it was kind of sad because, so they built these really nice, new, shiny buildings, but then the street-level stores, which they always kind of reserve for businesses, a lot of them were empty. So the neighborhood's kind of like soulless. Right. Like yeah. there's no vibe. There's no funky store. And a lot of times those things get taken over by like a dentist or like a, a Royal Bank or something. So it's like even when something's in there, it's not exactly like making the, the neighborhood fresh. Yeah, exactly. The glass and steel kind of standard that a lot of these buildings have doesn't really uh, induce great like, you know, cultural uniqueness and character <laughs> that an old building like some of the old ones in the Danforth I've seen, you know, people have come in to set up a new shop and, uh, you know, they expose the brick and they find signs inside these shops that are like from 50 years ago, mm-hmm. you know, so that adds character. And, uh, you know, but yeah, it's hard to, <laughs> but it's hard to develop that in a brand new building. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's not always encouraging, you know, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the cultural space that gets created by these buildings. I know I I, did, I have done some learning. I did interview some city planning and development staff so that I could know more because mm-hmm. I came at I came at this as a visual artist. Just what moves me, I capture, but I want to be better informed so that I know kind of how their process works. And there is like a <laughs> you want to complain properly is what you're saying. Yeah, I want to complain with a target. What is it I can you know? <laughs> so not just like pot shots at something that won't actually impact anything because I'm right. uninformed. So I learned a bit. I got a good interview with them. And um, one of them might come to the panel discussion, too, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, yeah, there's like a whole city like plan for development. And uh, it's even by neighborhoods. And, um, you know, there are targets for housing. You know, the city, you know, one of them in the interview mentioned how the city is now building affordable housing, which it, it never had anything to do with before. It was sort of like up to other people. So there is some leadership happening on some of these issues that, are definitely raw nerves for citizens here. And hopefully those will play out well for, for us, but it's, it's kind of a long road, but yeah, hopefully it's, there's some initiatives that are hopeful, even, (laughs) even as there's some discouraging things, you know, we're losing old buildings, we're losing some unique character and culture. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but hopefully, you know, the, the awareness of a livable city that everyone can access, not just the wealthy, you know, I hope we get there. And I hope, I hope this exhibit I'm doing stirs up some conversations. I think a lot of people don't really, you know, always look at these signs, you know, and, and respond to them. And I hope some more people do because we need our voice in these processes. And I hope maybe the city uh, as well might learn something about making the signs even better. I don't have a list of what those things are, but um, I think there's going to be a good discussion on opening night when we show that short film and when we uh, have people coming out and looking at the images and talking and stuff. So yeah, I hope we get somewhere with that. That's good because it's like the thing that we tend to overlook is that culture is always going to be fine. Culture will find a way to keep going, right? Like we've seen this in other cities where like uh, in New York City, they start to gentrify Brooklyn or something like this. Then all the others go to Queens or like, you know what I mean? They find another like neighborhood or a sketchy place, undeveloped place to go and to create culture and to do these things. Like culture will always move around and culture will always be fine. We've seen that historically but the problem yes. is that the it's the in-between time. That's the ugly part, right? We're like, you know, when there's nothing, 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 and all of a sudden a CBGB shows up and all we get all this punk music and whatever, and then CBGBs goes away and then some of the punk doesn't happen because there's no more scene. You mm. live in those in-between periods, and that's where things kind of be hard because it's it's difficult for people to, like, hang on and to be encouraged and to, like, things are happening, the city's going to turn around or there's, like, a vibe coming, you know what I mean? It's the yeah. in-between parts that make it hard to like yeah. hang on until we get something super fresh. Yeah. Sometimes I guess it's like incubation periods, right? You, you don't know what's going on under the surface and then something breaks through and comes up and, and, but there was maybe something going on, but it took a while to get there. So mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So let's keep rolling. So yours is, um, I'll put the, obviously all the links and stuff for the, for all these exhibitions that we're talking about, um, in part of the show notes and stuff. But if you go cool. to scotiabankcontactphoto.com, scotiabankcontactphoto.com, uh, you can see Henry's on notice as well as some of the other ones that we're going to talk about uh, today. Uh, so the first one that you mentioned to me was Tyler Mitchell. Yes. So I can say just briefly, you know, he's a, an American artist and photographer and filmmaker uh, based in Brooklyn. And uh, his work has narratives about black beauty and desire. And I am reading from his bio. So embracing themes of the past and creating fictionalized moments of the imagined future. Uh, characterized by visual representation of black life that emphasizes empowerment, play, and self-determination. Often inspired by pastoral and domestic scenes from his upbringing in suburban Georgia. So he actually made history because he uh, was the first black photographer to shoot a cover of American Vogue magazine from Beyonce's appearance in that, that year's issue. Yeah, September I remember issue. that, yeah. There's some, like, yeah. Gordon Parks quality to his work. Mm, that's a real, um, real uh, you know, compliment for sure. And it actually mentions in his bio that uh, one of his uh, exhibits was shown at the Gordon Parks Foundation in Pleasantville, oh, New York. Yeah. There so, you go, yeah. <laughs> so, well said, well yeah. said. And but, I'm going to mention uh, Gordon Parks later in another photographer that I have here to talk about. Yeah. So his... His exhibit is, is actually spread across three different venues. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called Cultural Turns, and it's at Metro Hall. Uh, at, it's at some billboards in Toronto, and, uh, and there's also a conversation that's going to happen. So, um, I mean, his work is really beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, there's billboards at DuPont and Dovercourt. Um, 
Which is the theme we were talking about too, right? Like this is outdoor stuff too, like billboards. Yes. You know what I mean? Like yes. So it's not again not necessarily like going to a gallery where you got to tuck in your tuxedo T-shirt. Like it's all around you. All around, absolutely. I I was just on King uh, near Tiff Lightbox, um, King and like uh, Duncan maybe, uh, or King and John, and um, right there where Metro Hall is, all the way along on the south side of King Street, uh, are his images, and they're really they're really stunning. If you go to the um, Contact Photo uh, Festival's um, main office, it's at 80 Spadina, and they have some on display in there as well Ooh, in the cool. Contact Gallery. Good tip. Yeah, so 80 Spadina and then Metro Hall on King uh, near John or Duncan, mm-hmm. and then Billboards, uh, Davenport, and DuPont. So really beautiful stuff, like really powerful imagery. Um I really appreciated seeing his. I was I saw the ones at eighty uh, Spadina as well. So yeah, so uh, powerful imagery, definitely great. He's like one of the highlight artists for Contact this year for sure. So that was Tyler Mitchell, Tyler Mitchell Cultural Returns, and then yeah. what do you have next? You have another recommendation. That was a good yeah, one I've right got, off the bat. I've Tyler. got a, I've got a bunch. I've got uh, Alberto Giuliani. He's got ones called Surviving Humanity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this one's at Brookfield Place, 181 Bay Street. And he's got uh, freestanding walls positioned throughout the Alan Lambert Galleria. So that's that nice big open space mm-hmm. in, in uh, Brookfield Place. And he, his work focuses on forces at work across the globe to safeguard ecological and societal longevity. Yeah, there were some sci-fi elements to this one. Yes. Like uh, it's yes. kind of like uh, not a hardcore sci-fi movie, but kind of like uh, almost like a society kind of eking towards Blade Runner or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Really interesting stuff. It looks like, you know, some of the places in the images look like, you know, people buckling down after like a horrendous global event Mm -hmm. uh, and you're going to survive in the Arctic or in the desert in these little structures. And um, his, his bio, uh, you know, he says telling stories is my mission. I do it by taking pictures of the world's leading magazines shooting videos for big companies and NGOs. So he's written for Vanity Fair, El Pais, Marie Claire, Stern, and others. So he's got quite a legacy, uh, quite, an, uh, you know, quite an impact of his work so far. And this exhibit looks like a great one to check out. Yeah. Absolutely. He's the yeah. he's the Italian one too, right? The Like he's based mm-hmm. in Italy. So that's yes. also kind of neat too, because it's like, um, you like this isn't just like a... A local thing or like anything like that like even though it is based in toronto we get a lot of really cool international photographers uh and sometimes because sometimes the instagram algorithm it kind of boxes you in right and you yeah. don't get to see other like different photographers and different work so this is also yes, kind of neat to kind of like i never heard of this dude before you sent it to me and i was like oh yo like i said i like the sci-fi kind of elements that run through his work yeah it's really interesting and yeah that's the great thing about contact getting global um global artists here if you and if you go to his page on the contact site he's got an interesting story about someone uh, predicting his future which kind of ramped up his uh, um his his workload because he was worried about what his future was so i won't give that away but you go to his site you read that okay uh, yeah so the next one if i can jump ahead mm-hmm. is anastasia samoylova it's an okay. american artist she, she works this is from her site she moves between observational photography studio practice and installation mm-hmm. by utilizing tools and strategies related to digital media and commercial photography her work explores notions of environmentalism 
consumerism and the picturesque. So hers is called Flood Zone. I actually heard about this last, maybe last year, because it was on display in the U.S. And uh, it um, it is set in Davisville Subway Station, so Davisville and Young Street. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has large-scale sun-drenched images that draw attention to the rising water levels encroaching on Miami and other Florida sh- shorelines. Signs of the impending disaster are not always easy to see, often eclipsed by bright colors, seductive facades, and our collective will to overlook them. That's Miami in a nutshell. They should use that for the tourism. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, yeah. There's a lot of neon and a lot of light, but there's a lot of dark, too. A lot of collective will to overlook the dark, yeah. So Samailova finds hints of future catastrophe all around, hidden in plain sight, in construction hoarding, storefront reflections, eroding concrete, and tangled tree roots. So they are really interesting images, and you see, like, yeah, the bright things in contrast with the you know, the, the troubled things within the same scene. So um, there's a lot written here. It got a lot of good public attention and mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's great that it's here in Toronto to be able to, to be seen. Yeah. It kind of well. uh, has shades of uh, Bertinsky stuff, Edward Bertinsky, like kind of like the environmental, like disaster and doom kind of, not that I'm trying to like make it negative or anything, but it's just, it's that kind of like, this is the impact of these things that are have, happening. Yes. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's just it's maybe a bit closer up. Mm-hmm. Like like Lipinski has those wide, broad vistas, you know, and hers are a bit more closer to the scene of action. But yeah, exa- I think it's the same kind of issues and dynamic. The the ones you've given us so far, the recommendations, they they all even your exhibition too on notice. They literally mm. are just about people noticing uh hmm. aspects like anastasia you just were talking about it like now is like in terms of miami like she's getting close up like tangled t- tree roots and eroding concrete uh hmm. tyler mitchell is like uh overlooked black individuals i guess is a, is a good way to kind of put it right like sure okay. uh yours yeah. is noticing like the actual how the city is changing or not for the better or for the worse kind of thing so it's a hmm. lot of like this is one of the themes, themes that I find kind of interesting in the ones you've recommended so far is like, it's the detail, right? Because we tend to like, you know, get off the subway, we're going to a building either for work or for a dentist appointment or something, and we just kind of head down, we barrel through, sometimes we're on the phone, whatever it may be, and we don't always notice everything that's kind of happening around us. Like the city's always happening around us, but we're not always mm-hmm. paying attention. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's what the and not just myself, but photographers have a, a gift of doing and offering people is, yeah, taking time out to see things that they see because of their, you know, wiring, because of who they are and, uh, and they're, they're choosing, you know, that's the, the one big thing with a photography as art is you're choosing what's in and what's out of the frame and how to, how to set up a, you know, and the perspective, the angle that it's shot from. And that's a good so way to put it. Yeah. All, yeah. You're setting all that up. So, all of these uh, are are offering that to people, their own vision, see through my eyes kind of approach, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, Anastasia is going to be in a conversation with Sarah Nelman on May 25th. So if you get get to the Anastasia Samoylova's page, uh, there's a, a link at the top says related and it's in conversation and you click on that and it'll get you uh, info about the May 25th conversation you could participate in where you hear her being interviewed about her work, so. That's yeah. cool. All right, keep rolling. What else you cool, got? Cool. All right, next one is Shirin Neshat. Mm-hmm. I, I may I may not be pronouncing that correctly, but she's a contemporary Iranian visual artist 
best known for her work in photography, video, and film, uh, which explore the relationship between women and the religious and cultural value systems of Islam. She has said that she hopes the viewers of her work take away with them not some heavy political statement, but something that really touches them on the most emotional level. And uh, she's born in Iran originally, but she left to study in the U.S. and before the um, Iranian Revolution in 1979. So she's got an interesting perspective. Her exhibit is called Land of Dreams, and mm -hmm. it's at MOCA, which is Museum of Contemporary Art, MOCA, Toronto, 158 Sterling. And it runs right through till July 31st. Um, and it's her first major exhibition in Canada in 20 years. And it has both, both photography and film. Um, so Land of Dreams is the name of it. it. Focuses on global issues of displacement, migration, and geopolitical conflict. So it's actually working on drawing on four different bodies of her work. So people are going to have a gift here of seeing a wide range of uh, her great work that she's created. So there are close-ups of individuals. There are wider scenes, um, depending on the theme of the project that she's drawing on. And um, they're black and white. All of them are black and white. So You've done similar work in terms of like talking to people. Like You've had a, a taxi driver exhibition. Uh, you recently did one on uh, shoe store owners in Toronto. Mm. What is that trust like? How do you develop that kind of connection where like... Obviously, the work that she's doing is very personal and is, like you said, geopolitical and all those kind of things. Like, there's impact. Mm -hmm. Like, it's it's one thing to just talk about impact in the general sense, but when you actually talk to the people who don't have running water or don't have uh, access to certain things, it's a completely mm -hmm. different thing. So, as a mm -hmm. photographer, what is that experience like where you can kind of build that trust and build that connection that somebody could open themselves up and, like, share their heart and, that, and their dreams? Well, I... I... I, first of all, I take it as a gift when people are willing to talk, you know, it's a, it is a gift and like that they're willing to share of their stories and their experiences. Like I'm so always deeply thankful when people like, you know, I call it cold calling sometimes when I was trying to approach the taxis, <laughs> you know, I'm just trying they don't know me from anyone and they probably think I'm going to get a, be a, a, a passenger and a fare. And then I started approaching them about a project <laughs> I was doing, you know, and the same with walking into shoe stores too. You know, it's just you're starting from very little. So uh, not just speaking of myself, but these photographers that do that have to have some personal character that is welcoming and, and inviting and uh, tr you know trustworthy from the start that makes people connect with them. Um, and but I always feel like it's a real gift. Just yesterday, I, I was out a few blocks away from my home. And there's a guy who has this really fancy blinged up car. He's put little like little jewel plastic jewel things all over it on his hood on the dash and uh and i've seen the car for years because i live on live near him but he was there by his car doing something and i ended up talking for like half an hour and i ended up being able to take some photos of him and i was really thankful you know he's he was he was willing to talk mm -hmm. and uh talk about himself his life his car and uh it's 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 a real joy you know like and then to be able to share it you know not just to get that for myself like there was a taxi guy, a taxi driver who I met on Front Street by Union. And I was really hoping he'd say yes. And then when I, he did, and when I found out his story that he and his wife were financially supporting some 40 to 50 children back in Bangladesh, wow, where yeah. they were originally from, I was like, oh my God, I'm so happy that I have this guy's story to share. Mm -hmm. People can learn about his life through this project. Like, so it's, it's a gift for, first of all, I guess, to me, or to, to the artist who's doing the interviewing, but then 
a real joy to translate that through to others, you know, like that's, it's a pretty good, it's a great feeling for sure. That seems to be the other kind of theme that runs through these recommendations that you're making. There's a lot of storytelling, Mm. right? Yeah. Um, Yes. I think sometimes too, when now we've kind of been conditioned a little bit, when we think of photography, (laughs) we think of ourselves and putting up selfies or like, here I am on vacation or like, here I am Mm. doing something cool or something fun. Uh, and it's just that those are only kind of telling the stories about ourselves and our lives, right? Here's my cute yes. kid at Halloween or whatever. He's dressed up as a pumpkin. Isn't that amazing? Like those kind of <laughs> things, right? And yes. it's fine, but yes. it's just like, there's all these other things that are happening. And, and, uh, and like the one you're talking about, like these are people like in sometimes rough situations or dire situations, especially like politically and especially in countries, where uh, things are not always clear and there's not always like hope is very rare. So yeah. To, yeah. like you said, to tell that story and to like be able to kind of connect with those stories, it, it disrupts your worldview a little bit and kind of you get to parachute into this unique world. Yes. That's the well, well said. Yes. You get into someone's other reality, someone else's reality and, and uh, hopefully have some empathy and understanding and uh, changed outlook as a result right like um for sure well that's well said uh let's keep rolling you got a couple more for us all right yeah so there's uh bidemi oloyede mm-hmm. um i met him uh actually we were both walking down young street uh, with our cameras and uh back so local kid the- i guess toronto kid yeah he's well he's born in port harcourt nigeria mm-hmm. and lives and works in toronto now uh, uses black and white film to capture both vulnerable and vibrant images that tell a story about his subjects and community uh, he combines his passion for the historical medium of photography with his interest in the human condition. And that's actually a, a short bio of him from Nicolas Metivier Gallery. Um, I went to his opening. He did a, an exhibit there uh, last year, the year before, and it was uh, combined with um, images from Gordon Parks. So a real honor and uh, uh, to have his images alongside uh, images from Gordon Parks. And it was a powerful exhibit. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's a really talented photographer. His exhibit is called I Am Hugh, but it's, there's an E in, in after H-U, like in the hue is in the color, perhaps, of one's skin, because mm-hmm. he is a, a black uh, photographer. Okay, and yeah. his, his images touch on uh, black experience mm-hmm. and identity, I would say. Um, so I Am Hugh Man. Yeah. And it's, at, uh, it's actually in Brampton. It's the Peel, um, it's a Peel Art Gallery. I don't have the full name, but it's PAMA, P-A-M-A, in Brampton, uh, on till the end of August. Um, and uh, so his, um, uh, these are presented as large-scale banners on the facade of the Peel Art Gallery, Museum, and Archives. And the focus is on the black male subject, strong, vibrant, and inimitable. These men are immortalized at massive scale. Oh, cool. So, yes, yeah, so a very large-scale photography. Um, he does beautiful portraits. I like those, um, like uh, when you see like a giant photo, like when we've been in our AGO or something like that, and you see a, it's really blown up. Yeah. And it just kind of like it envelops you, like the wind or something, like just all around you. It's yeah. it's really neat. So he he has um a, there's a quote here from the site where it says through his intentional act of picture taking, Oyelede reclaims the black subject and affirms their participation in the world. The tonality of his photographs recalls historical documentary style photography thereby suggesting that these images are intended as archival records. Um, so really beautiful portraits. He's also doing a, um, an event called Family 
it's a family fun activity, the art of photography. So if you find his site, uh, his page on the contact site, you'll also see a related link at the top. And um, I think it's late May, May 28th in the afternoon. There's going to be an activity for families to come and, and uh, create images uh, based on what they can learn from from me to me. Oh, kind of like, a, what's that, Kids with Cameras or Cameras for Kids or whatever? That, uh... Uh, there's Project Kids and Cameras. I don't know the program for this one. But, yeah, um, similar kind of vibe, right? Uh, We're like uh, kind of get into the mix a little bit. Yeah, I think so. They're going to teach people, I think, how to create images. I, I, there's not, not a lot of description. Um, but I'm sure if you go to the uh, gallery site, they'll give you more for sure. Uh, one of the blurbs on the contact site, it says he uses a large format film camera. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Does that dictate the like, do, is it kind of like the medium is the message kind of thing? Like, does that dictate the, the gear that you use dictates the photos or vice versa? Does it have an influence? It definitely does. So, yeah, when I met him, he was shooting with um, film. I had film and digital. He was, um, he, I know when he shoots with uh, 35 millimeter, the regular standard, more common uh, film format, uh, he sh- shoots um, Kodak Tri-X film and it does have a very distinct look. And it's what was used by a lot of old, older, you know, uh, historical documentary photographers. Uh, but then using a larger format one, you get um, a quality, which is really incredible. Like the film, film gives something unique look as it is. And your choice of film will affect that. So his choice of that Kodak Trix film gives it a certain look already. But then choosing to use the larger format film, which is like a larger negative, you get a level of resolution uh, and sharpness uh, as long as you're using a decent camera. That's really like amazing, and and that would allow him to blow up these images as large as what they're doing, um, because it would be like a better resolution even perhaps than a standard digital uh, camera. So, um, and it gives a distinct look, as he said, like this sort of documentary style uh, mm. using film, using the film that he uses would definitely shape that. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. couple more. Yeah. All right. So um, this one, Ida Mulune, uh, Water Life, it's called. It's at the Textile Museum of Canada. Um, she's born in Ethiopia. Uh, very talented artist. She's exhibited um, in South Africa, Mali, Senegal, Egypt, Canada, the U.S., France, Germany, England, all over the place. Many, many galleries. Um, it says here, as one of the leading experts on photography from Africa, she's been a jury member on several photography competitions, most notably the Sony World Photography Awards in 2017, World Press Photo Contest 2017. Ooh. She's been featured in all kinds of publications, New York Times, Time Magazine, Atlantic, Vice, guardian mm-hmm. british journal photography so all kinds of ways so here exhibit like the color is just astounding the red and uh the blue this mm-hmm. um this color is incredible so uh the series water life was set in the arid salt flats region of Dalol, afar in northern ethiopia one of the hottest and driest places on earth artists vibrant photographs address the impact of living without access to clean water on local women and girls while drawing attention to other communities around the world suffering from water scarcity. So it's uh, just incredible images. Like the water is appearing in them. Access to water is uh, an, an element of what's happening. Uh, but then these these vibrant colors of red and blue, uh, particularly other colors too, but 
those are the primary ones. They're just really, um, really quite uh, astounding. The element uh, that you're overlooking is that these are stage scenarios. A lot, yes, that's uh, important yeah. to mention. Because yeah. a lot of the ones you've mentioned before up till now were very much organic. Uh, as you say, working the scene, right? <laughs> that's when you're, yeah. uh, when you're maxims, I guess, working the scene. So you kind of wait. Yeah. For like, you know, I've seen you in action. So like you'll sometimes be in front of a really cool sign or really cool like uh, store or something like this. And you're waiting for somebody with a character, maybe a guy with a dog or something because it's a little ironic or whatever it may be to kind of go by. And so you wait uh, and you work the scene, which doesn't yes. always work out when I'm hungry. But these ones uh, are stage scenarios, and this is what you're talking about because the actors, or I guess, I don't know, I'm not sure what they refer to it. The the people in the the women in the the photos, mm -hmm. they are wearing like these kind of like red gowns and like uh, blue dresses kind of things. Yes, yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, um, and and they describe it on the side as setting up striking visual tensions between parched landscapes, the female body, and graphic elements that relate to women's health, the world over. Um, and she transforms cliched representations of rural life in Africa into powerful pictures of the inner lives of women framed by the otherworldly architectural scenes and natural surroundings. So, yeah, that's, it does really draw something out, the dynamics, um, the contrasts, and the staging, uh, for sure. Um, but, yeah, important to mention that, for sure. Yeah. We tend to see a lot more of, like, stage scenarios in terms of, like, celebrity uh, work like Chris Buck, for example. Uh, mm. uh, Annie Leibovitz does a lot of that kind of stuff too, right? Yes. Um, yes. But those are very striking images still and very like they connect. Uh, but you can tell it's not like something like organic, like Whoopi Goldberg didn't just end up in a bathtub full of milk randomly. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> right? Somebody went out and had to buy all the milk, had to get the bathtub and all that kind of stuff to, to yeah. get her in there. So. Uh, yeah, that in terms of like stage scenarios, it sometimes like uh, it has to be almost kind of clever, I guess. At least for me, like for it to connect, or like mm -hmm. you know what I mean. Like you can kind of like it works on a number of le levels the same way that like an organic, for lack of a better term, an organic photo or photo scene would be. Yes, no, you're right. It it does have to have something really unique uh, to make it work. Yeah. They have to bring something fresh to it, mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, shall I jump to last one or last one or two? Or Yeah, let's do one more. I think these are good sampling, right? Because we've, we've covered yeah. quite a bit. Uh, we've dropped Gordon Parks a couple of times, which is always nice to give him a little bit of shout-out. But we've had like, a photographer from Brooklyn, one from Italy, um, one from Toronto. So, yeah. Where do you want to end up and go next? The last thing I'll share is actually what's happening at City Hall. Mm -hmm. And there's two exhibits there. One is a contact one. One is not really from contact, but uh, it's worth mentioning. So uh, at, Na at Nathan Phillips Square, City Hall, um, there's the Shine On exhibit, which is photographs from the BIPOC photo mentorship program. So Black, Indigenous, People of Color photo mentorship program. Quite a few artists. I can't list all their names, um, but they are, uh, as we talked about earlier, uh, on public display, if you look at the uh, ramp that runs up on the right side or the east side of uh, City Hall up to the top level, mm -hmm. uh, all along the curve of that ramp is a beautiful display of these artists' work. Um, and so this is a project that uh, went on um, for uh, the last year or two. or was launched in September 2020, 
uh, as a way to address systemic barriers faced by emerging BIPOC photographers with the goal of encouraging diversity in the photographic industry. And since then, more than 210 mentorship opportunities have been offered by 100 professional photographers and members of the photo photographic industry from Canada and the U.S. So it's drawing on some of the people who have participated in this special uh, BIPOC photo mentorship program. And uh, they are really powerful images. There's a diversity to them uh, in terms of style and uh, content. Um, but, you know, if you go there, you're also going to have the chance to see an exhibit about Toronto's hip-hop history, uh, Project T-Dot, by Toronto photographer Anjani Charles. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so that's also there. And if you, like, walk up to the front doors of City Hall, uh, it's kind of a covered area off to the left, to the west side. There's uh, windows, and they're now covered with photos that were taken by Charles and, and uh, Ajani Charles, excuse me, um, and pictures he's been making for over 16 years, uh, all celebrating hip-hop history in Toronto. Ooh. So both, both of those, great reason to get down to City Hall and uh, see something and learn something about some talented artists. And Absolutely. not just that, but across the, the street from City Hall is the blue food truck with the poutine and the gravy. That guy's got delicious <laughs> gravy. <laughs> so <laughs> that There's was a, a hot tip. Yeah, that was a delicious recommendation. Uh, hot tip. <laughs> there you go. So you can learn get about your, Toronto get and get some uh, delicious gravy too and poutine. So there you go. Yeah. Munch on, munch on that and stroll and take in some powerful images at City Hall. Absolutely. Mm hmm. As I said, I will put all the links uh, for these uh, t uh, uh, part of the show notes. But again, Everything that Henry has talked about and I have talked about is at scotiabankcontactphoto.com. So you can go there for all the details. And I, it's really cool that, like, we have this, like, just kind of go back full circle the way we started. Like, we have a photography festival that runs through the city. Like, most people tend to think of cities as, like, film festivals. And then we have a lot of those, right? We have the TIFF. We have Hot Docs. Uh, Blood in the Snow, all these kind of really cool film festivals. New York City has a lot of festivals, obviously, as well. But it's neat that just like, just this one month of May, we get like photography festival. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's 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 great. And it's great how long it's been running for. Like, it's got a good legacy, good momentum behind it. Um, it's, it's awesome to have this, for sure. Uh, and all throughout the city. So many venues. It's really, it's it's a lot of fun. Where can yeah. people find you online uh, to talk about your photos or to see your IG or to see what you're up to? Thanks, Sammy. I'm at culturesnap.ca online on my website, culturesnap.ca. And my uh, Instagram is at culturesnap, all uh, one word, at culturesnap. If you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at, at, at culture underscore snap. But uh, find me first on Instagram, perhaps, at culturesnap. No, yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So Yeah. Thank you so much for like hanging out and making these recommendations. And like, uh, I know all I chipped in was poutine, but that was a very valuable contribution at the end there. <laughs> don't don't uh, don't count that out for sure. Poutine's part of our culture here too. So. There you go. That's a positive note. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. So that's it. Awesome. Uh, we'll shut it down, and then maybe we'll do uh, a recap like in June after that, and we kind of just talk about the ones that we've seen and uh, which ones we liked and things like that. Nice. Thanks, mm -hmm. Sammy. I right. enjoyed that. Very good. All right. Thank you so much. We covered quite a bit, but there's always room for more. Peace out. Yeah. Peace. Thanks, Sammy. Cheers.
Originally recorded raw on Twitter spaces this has been my summer lair space station oddity with your heartfelt host Sammy Yunan. Follow the host and remarkable podcast at my summer lair for Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The sooner you do that, the sooner we can be online BFFs.